Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Yo, Epiph, what up? Good morning. It is so good to be hanging out with you today. Uh, It is Psalm 107 verse 2 that says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Uh, I don't know if anybody came to virtual church today that has been redeemed, but if you have, if you could just do me a favor and just type in all caps, all caps, redeemed, 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 simply meaning I have been purchased by the blood of the Lamb. Uh, What an honor and delight it is to be here gathered with God's people uh, around the throne of Jesus Christ. Let me use this as a quick opportunity to welcome all of our first time visitors. If this is the first time that you have piped into our live, we are excited that you are here. I think Dave already welcomed you guys, but I want to give another special welcome to you. Thank you so much for hanging out with us wherever you are. Wherever you are in the world, whether you are here domestically in this country or you are internationally watching, we are grateful for you and we pray that the Lord would meet you today wherever you are. He would meet you right into your home. Uh, if you're a first time uh, log, what do you call them? Log honors. If you're first time being with us today, uh, you should know a couple things about our church. Number one, uh, we are passionate about Jesus. Everything we do flows from our understanding of who Jesus is. Uh, but the second thing you should know is we're passionate about the word of God. Uh, so let's do it. Won't you grab your Bibles? Go to the last book of the Bible, uh, the book of Revelation. You will find uh, our passage there. We are in Revelation chapter two. Don't put an S on that. It's not Revelations. It's Revelation chapter two is where we're going to be hanging out today. Uh, as you can tell, uh, the, the, the feng shui has changed. We, we've moved some things around. We are in the midst of... Uh, moving things around in our old setup. And so uh, I pulled out what they call a little pastor's corner today uh, that I get to hang out with you guys in in a little spot in the church. And uh, nevertheless, I'm excited to do so. Uh, What up to all of our Facebook family, those of you who are logged on, uh, all of our uh, YouTube family, those of you who are logged on. Again, I have my phone. I told Ty, I'm going to do my best to try to keep up. So so often I have been preaching and have not been uh, keeping up, but I'm going to try to keep up today. So shout out to everybody that is in the chat room right now. Dave, I see you. Sherry, I see you. Uh, Keisha Katz, I saw you in here. Rob, uh, I see you in here and I saw you doing worship. Shout out to y'all for hanging out today. We're in Revelation today, but before we jump in, um, let, let me just give a quick update of our church's process over the last several months as we consider the quarantine and which means we're not able to physically gather as a church. Man, I don't know if y'all know this, but this is our 16th week straight not meeting. It has been 16 weeks since I've seen some of you guys. Many months have passed and we have not been able to connect. And uh, in reality, here's what's really at play. You know, our, our church, one of our core convictions as a church is biblical community. Meaning we believe that the church is supposed to be a community within the community. We're supposed to be a people among a bunch of people. And the only way that really works is when we get to gather together and connect. Our church believes in Acts chapter 2 verse 44 to 47 uh, where it talks about how day by day they broke bread and they had fellowship. That word fellowship koinia that they had joint participation in growing together. It is the one way that believers are supposed to grow and that is through connection with other believers. 
And that has been uh, put to a halt. We have not been able to gather uh, because of the virus and the pandemic that we are in. Uh, but you'll, you'll note that on Monday, uh, Governor Cuomo made an announcement that we are in now in phase two, at least here in New York. I know some other states, wherever you are, you might have already opened or still be in phase one. We are now in phase two, which means local businesses have opened at this point. And some of you have been out and maybe you see barbershops are now open and salons. Maybe you went and got your hair done and you got your nails done. Uh, the salons and stuff are opened and uh, many questions have been coming to the church. I've been getting many questions. I know our staff has been getting many questions about when are we reopening. And uh, just to give you a little bit of an update, we, we don't know yet. We, we are still processing. We're still watching. We're still waiting. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Nobody misses y'all more than me. Nobody misses gathering as a church more than me. Nobody misses the vibe and the, the centrality of Jesus worship services that we have. Nobody misses that more than me. In reality, I've replaced uh, touch your neighbor with type in the chat room. And so uh, I, I certainly miss you guys. And I have been grieving our absence from one another, but I do believe that, you know, as your pastor, it is important that I not recklessly gather us too quickly. So we're, we're watching, we're waiting, we're trying to see what phase two looks like. Uh, there's a couple of things that are driving uh, our, our decision and our, and our thinking. We have started to put together a transition plan. Our staff is uh, actively working on a transition pla- plan. Uh, me and Pastor Timmy are actively talking about a transition plan. So we're we're looking at what it would look like for us to gather again at some point. But that point is not now. Uh, if I'm honest with you, we're looking toward the fall. Uh, so I don't think we'll be gathering at all in the summer, but we are looking toward the fall. But there's a couple of things that drive that. Number one, our state and local officials, we want to see what they are saying. And we, we want to make sure that we are in guideline and in step with them. We want to make sure that the there's no crazy uptick in the amount of cases and deaths. And so we want to be careful with that. And, um, but we're also looking at other churches around the country that have already opened. There are some states that have already opened and churches that have already opened. So we're trying to just make sure that we are being a good steward by learning from others and finding out best practices so that when we do transition back, we do so with wisdom. And then finally, you guys are going to drive when we get back together. At some point, we're going to send out a survey because we want to hear from you, uh, but we'll also have a, a call where we all get together and I, we can hear uh, you guys' thoughts, and we'll give you a date at that point and hear you guys' thoughts and concerns and um, try to figure out how to gather back in a, way, in, in a way that's full of wisdom. So again, I'd rather miss you guys than, uh, than recklessly gather us and, um, and it not be the right time. So be praying. Until then, we're going to continue to bring you all these services live to you. There's not a week that goes by that we will not bring you worship and we will not bring you a word from the Lord. Uh, Speaking a word from the Lord, let's do it. We are in Revelation 2. What y'all talking about in this chat room? What y'all talking about? I see y'all. I miss y'all, man. Okay, Revelation 2. Look at verse 1. Verse 1 says, to the angel of the church in Ephesus. Please circle Ephesus. That is extremely important. This is a letter written to the church at Ephesus. The words say this, the the words of him who holds seven stars in his right hand, who walks amongst the seven golden lampstands. I know your works and your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil 
but uh, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. Verse three, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my namesake and you have not grown weary, but I have this against you, a tone change right there, that you have abandoned your first love. Remember therefore where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, you will come, I will come to you and remove the lampstand from its place unless you repent. I I simply want to preach today from the topic entitled, and if y'all could, those hosts, if you guys could type this in the chat room so that everyone else that logs on knows what we're talking about, rekindling your first love. Let me say that again, rekindling your first love. In other words, remember when you first met Jesus? Remember how on fire you were? Remember how serious you were? Remember how dedicated you were? Rekindling that first love. That's exactly what Jesus is telling the church at Ephesus to do. And I believe that that is exactly what he is telling you and I to do. Let's look to the Lord before we dig in. Our Father, we need your presence as we dig into your word. Thank you for the ability to be able to bring service to people's homes. I know some people are tired of this and they're ready to gather back and we're tired of piping on and we're tired of typing and we're tired of looking at service and worshiping at home, but we, we want to gather back. But Father, would you, would you help us to realize, oh God, that you are in our homes where we are right now. Even in that Acts 2 that I talked about earlier, it's clear that people were in their homes together. And so Father, as people were in their homes, you were present. And so, Father, yes, we're, we're not gathered here as the church, but we are gathered as a bunch of churches all across the city and all across the world. So we thank you. We pray that you would be with us today as we get into this text. Make sense of this text to us. Make it simplistic today. Help it to hit our hearts, not just our academic and our minds. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Rekindling your first love. Hey, in a few months, um, August 3rd, Ty and I will be celebrating our uh, 18th year anniversary. We've been married for 18 years. I met her when I was 19. She was 18, which is crazy because I have a 17-year-old son right now, and my 17-year-old son is almost the age that his mother and I were when we first met. Here's a couple things you should know about marriages. Uh, Marriages take work. Ty and I, of course, have had a healthy balance over the years of ups and downs. You, you need that. Everything can't just be the same all the time. You need those ups and downs to build the relationship. And Ty and I have had that. We've had seasons of great communication where we saw eye to eye, where everything was felt like we were so in step with one another. And then we've had seasons where we have not had the greatest of communication, seasons that might have been full of arguments. I believe some of those arguments, the Lord will reveal to her that I was right, uh, but I'll let the Lord deal with her. Uh, throughout our 18 years of marriage, one of the things that I noticed pretty quickly is that the marriage is not kept together by emotional feelings of love. The marriage is kept together by a commitment to love. Let me say that again. The marriage is not kept together by emotional feelings of love, but the marriage is kept together by a commitment to love. Staying in love does not happen by osmosis. Staying in love happens by intentionality. It happens by being deliberate. 
It happens by maintaining the feelings you felt when you first met each other. Y'all remember when you first met your boo thing, where y'all would stay on the phone all night, where where y'all would text each other back and forth long paragraphs, and now maybe you might send an emoji, and maybe you might reply, and maybe you won't. But here's what Jesus is going to get at today. He's going to tell us to rekindle our first love. And you got to understand something about love. You got to be intentional. You got to be deliberate. It takes work. Your relationship with the Lord takes work. Not on his end. His commitment to love you never changes. He he never says, I'm not in love with them anymore. I got to rekindle that love. The cross is proof that he loved you more than he'll ever love you. It's the same love that Jesus has always had for you. But oftentimes our love has to be rekindled. And this is a word for some of you married folk and some of you dating folk and some of you uh, singles and some of you guys that are engaged. Falling in love is easy. Staying in love takes work. Staying in love takes intentionality. Staying in love takes that serious passion that has to oftentimes be rekindled. And we come to a passage here in Revelation 2 where Jesus is going to beg the church at Ephesus to get back on fire the way they were when they first met him. Now, this is this letter here, Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, really 1 through 7, is a letter within a series of letters. Jesus is on a roll here. Jesus is doing a bunch of letters to a bunch of different churches. In fact, seven churches. This is actually called the seven letters to the seven churches. And for the most part, the format is always the same that Jesus uses. At least five of the seven churches. Here's the format. Don't miss this. He commends the church. He then condemns the church. He then corrects the church. Let me say that again. In five of the seven letters, including the one that is before us today, the church at Ephesus, he always commends the church for doing well. He then condemns the church on areas that they are drifting and then he corrects the church and gets them back on track on, on track. And as we dive in today, my hope is to encourage you to rekindle that fire the same way Jesus is encouraging the church to rekindle their fire. Let's be honest, man. For some of us in this quarantine, not everybody, but for some of us in this quarantine, it almost feels like we've lost a little bit of our relationship with the Lord. Only honest folk are going to type amen to that. For some of us that are logged on today, the quarantine has not been conducive to spiritual growth. For for some of us, the quarantine has not helped us to be spiritually disciplined. So for some of us, the quarantine has not helped us to be committed to our word and committed to prayer and committed to the body and committed to giving to church. And, and at some point, Jesus is now like knocking on the door of your heart going, hey, 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 don't go too far. You are drifting because it is in the season where you drift and you coast that we fall into sin. And Jesus is like, I don't want you to fall there. Stay with me. I'm better than anything that you'll ever experience. How do you do that? You always got to keep rekindling the love and yeah you you might rekindle it today but trust me in a few months a year two years you get out of this quarantine and some people gonna lose their mind you got to rekindle again and so jesus i think today is encouraging us to look at our relationship not from his perspective because he's always committed to us but from our perspective are we just as committed 
to him. And that's what we get today. So again, he's going to condemn, he's going to commend the church. He's going to condemn the church. And then he's going to correct the church. And that's where we'll end our time because that's where the text will end. First, let's look at it. He commends the church. I hope you have your Bibles open. I hope you're at Revelation too, because we're going to work through a little bit of this passage. Watch how he commends this church. Says here in verse two, I know your works. Watch how he commends them. Your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil. In other words, the, the, those who are, are, are doing evil and are sinning, you're, you're not even fooling up with them. But have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and have found them to be false. That's good doctrine. And I know that you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my namesake and you have not grown weary. He commends the church and he does so really in two ways. He says you have good behavior and you have right doctrine. That's essentially what he's saying. He's saying to the church at Ephesus, great job, kudos on your spiritual walk with me. He is not condemning them for smoking weed, cussing and drinking. He's like, nah, 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 you're actually solid when it comes to theology you're actually solid when it comes to commitment to the word you're actually solid when it comes to abhorring evil and make no mistake about it the church at ephesus was a beastly church let me say that another way the church at ephesus was dope i I have friends when i was in seminary that would argue with me and they'd be like you know what that the best church in the new testament was the church at corinth but if you read through 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, you get those books because Paul is trying to correct them for abuse of spiritual gifts and trying to correct them for sinful behavior. But here you have the church at Ephesus being a dope church, not just here, but one of the few churches that we get led in on on the birthing of the church. Read Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19 shows how people were giving their life to the Lord. People were getting healed. In fact, the, 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 the power of the, the spirit and the supernatural was working so much through the apostles that the handkerchief that touched them would touch somebody else and that person then would get healed. I mean, evil spirits were coming out, out of people. That they, People were denouncing sorcery and denouncing magic. There was one point in Acts 19 at the birthing of Ephesus where the Bible says that everybody in the town bought their books, their sorcery books in the middle of the city and lit it on fire. Riots were taking uh, taking off. I mean, the church was thriving. The city was being turned upside down and all of it was because the gospel was going forth. This was the birthing of the church at Ephesus. There was one point where evil businesses had to close down because those that were clients to those evil businesses gave their life to the Lord and stopped worshiping idols and started worshiping the king of kings and the Lord of lords. This is the first works of the church at Ephesus. And so he's now like, listen, Ephesus, you were dope when you started. You were on fire when you started. You were serious when you started, but somewhere along the line, you begin to fizzle out. Not only were they a dope church, but they had a dope leadership team. Timothy was an elder at the church at Ephesus. So he says, listen, in verses two to three, you're amazing. You got right doctrine. You got good 
theology. You got right behavior and what could be wrong with them? I mean, as a pastor, if I'm honest, that's what I pray our church would be marked by is right doctrine and right behavior. When people leave our church and move away and relocate, uh, one of the things they always ask me is, do you know a church in the area that I am moving to? And I always point them towards churches that have right behavior. It's not a cesspool of sin. A church that sees sin and calls it out and tries to seek restoration. And it's a place where good doctrine is happening, where people aren't afraid in the, in the midst of COVID-19, where we got to do these sermons over the stream, where people aren't trying to do catchy sermons, but they're relying on the word of the Lord. I, I always send people to churches that are like that. And so when I read this, I'm like, Jesus, I don't understand what's wrong with the church. I mean, it looks like they are doing an amazing job. And one of the first signs that you need to rekindle your fire is when you think you have spiritually arrived. I wonder if the church at Ephesus thought because they were doing the right things that they had a, that they've graduated from spiritual growth. Could that be our case? Could we need to rekindle our fire because we've read enough Bible? Because you've prayed enough? Because you've fasted enough? Because you sought the Lord enough? We, we think that those are moments where we get to coast, but one of the things I know about our relationship with the Lord is you never arrive. You, you never graduate. Nobody has a PhD in spiritual growth. We're always, until Jesus comes back, we're growing every single day or we should be growing every single day. And this shows me that no matter how tight your relationship is, let let me cut to this camera because I want to be really, really clear and direct. It's a little closer. No matter how tight your relationship with the Lord is, it can always be tighter. You can always pray more. I can always pray more. You, You can always read your word more. You, you, you haven't spent enough time in the word. You can always do more. You can always be more disciplined. You, you can always seek to make petitions for other people. You can always confess sin more. You can always grow in your character more. Never let past seasons of spiritual success stop you from growing. Say that again. Never let past seasons of spiritual success stop you from growing. Jesus literally just said to the church at Ephesus, you're amazing. You're doing a great job. You're doing a great work. And so he moves here. He says, listen, I got to commend you. I got to tell you the great job that you're doing. But then he moves from commending them to condemning them. He then now moves to a place where he has to say, wait, I got something against you. There's something that I got to deal with. And he does it. I love Jesus because Jesus knows how to correct us in one verse. Jesus don't need a a chapter to correct us. He corrects them in verse four and verse four alone. Watch how he corrects them in verse four. He says, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the love that you had at first. Note that these words are in red. This isn't an email from a disgruntled member of the church at Ephesus. This isn't a text message from somebody in the church that had their own agenda. This word comes from Jesus himself, the head of the church, according to Colossians chapter one, that the first of all things, he now says, I have something against you. And all of the great stuff that the church at Ephesus was doing, Jesus found an area that they could be stronger in. 
all of the amazing stuff that the church at Ephesus was doing, Jesus found one area that they needed to grow, an area of opportunity. And when I read this earlier, uh, when I read this, what? Uh, but I have this against you, it caused me to stop, walk away from the text and think, Jesus, what, what could you, if you gave me a verse, if, my ver- if the verse four of my life was stamped here in the Bible, what inconsistencies would you see in my life? I don't care how deep you are. I don't care how much you pray. What are the gaps between what you say and what you do? What are those unconfessed areas of sin in our life? What are the areas that Jesus in chapter four and verse number four would say, you're doing a great job, but I got something that you could do better. What is that one area? All of us got it. Again, I don't, I don't care who you are. I literally walked away after I read verse four and I started to think to myself, what are the areas that I need to grow in? If verse four was stamped on your life, what would it read? In fact, this week, I, I want you to do that. I want you to just simply pray and ask God, God, if you, if you had something against me, if, if there was something that you saw was inconsistent with my life, would you, would you tell me? Would you show me? Would you reveal it to me? Because God not revealing it to you is actually wrath. God's grace always reveals it. In his grace, he wants you to do better. He wants you to correct it. So you should ask Jesus, what is it that you have against me? Because he says it to the church at Ephesus, you're great but I got something against you. What is the problem that Jesus had with the church at Ephesus? Here it is. You've abandoned your first love. You've walked away from how passionate you were. You've moved from the fire that you once had when it came to my relationship with you. You've abandoned your first love. It is somewhere between the gap of profession and your actual spiritual walk that Jesus now sees that the love for him has started to dwindle out. Let's be honest. Like, I'm only talking to honest people today. I mean, next week I'll talk to everybody, but this week I can only talk to those that will be honest about their spiritual walk that will say, I know I could do better. I know I need to rekindle. I remember, like, just think about how much you used to pray when you first met Jesus. But would you think about how you used to journal about your spiritual formation and your spiritual walk? Do you just think about how serious you were about getting with your brothers and sisters and you were serious about accountability? You were serious about not just surface reading the word, but actually studying the word of God. You were serious about praying for yourself, for your family and for those around you. And somewhere along the line, the secondary became primary. The, 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 the things that were attached to your life became central and Jesus had to get in the back seat. Listen, that is a horrible car ride. Horrible car ride is when Jesus is in the back seat. I'll go further. A horrible car ride is when Jesus is in the front seat and the passenger seat. Jesus has to take the wheel. And oftentimes when he's not taking the wheel, our love for him begins to fizzle out. What, what are those areas that your love started to fizzle out? You know, Jesus talks about this in John 15. In John 15, he, he says something similar. He, he doesn't say that your love, that you've abandoned your f- first love or that it fizzled out. He says something deeper. In John 15, verse five through six, I think it's gonna pop up on the screen. Jesus says this, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. For apart from me, watch this, you can do nothing. And if anyone does not abide in me, He is thrown away like a branch. Here's that word and withers. 
Do you know what withering is? Do you know what it means to wither? Withering here doesn't speak of, it doesn't speak of the actual death. It speaks, I've said this before, of the process of dying. If something is withering, it may not be dead yet. It's on its way to dying. In fact, Jesus says that to the church of Sardis. He says, wake up, strengthen that which remains and is ready to die, withering. And some of us, if we're honest, we've been withering. Can I be honest? Can I be honest here with you? That there are times in this quarantine I have to fight to stay connected to the Lord. Not that he's not connected to me, but I have to fight to maintain spiritual discipline. Why? Because there's so many other shiny objects around me. There's, there's so many other things that I want to get involved in and, and I want to put as priority. And Jesus is like, no, keep the main thing, the main thing. Because the moment, the very moment that you put Jesus in the back seat is the very moment that withering starts. It's the process of dying. It may not speak to the actual death, but it is the process of dying. Hey, if you go back and look at some of our, our earlier quarantine services, if you go back and look at some of them, you'll, you'll notice in the background when we set up the, the, the couch and everything, you'll notice that there was a plant. Let me see. I don't know if I can do this right. It was to the left of me uh, on, on, the, on, the, on the screen. It was to my left. And there, there was a plant that was sitting back there. And we, it was a real plant. And when we first bought the plant, uh, the, the plant was full of life. It had leaves and they were green and they were plush and the soil was nice and moist. And because of the quarantine, we haven't been able to come to the church often. In fact, the staff all works from home. So during the week, nobody's here. The space is dark. The air is off. There is no light coming in because we're not here. We were not watering the plant. And somewhere along the line, because of the lack of maintenance to the plant, it started to die. I don't know if, like, literally, go back at some point and look at, about, look at our earlier services and you'll see that plant was full of life. Let me show you that plant right now. Here's that plant right now. That, this, this is the same plant. This, is the, this ain't a new plant. I, I, didn't, I didn't pick the leaves off. I picked the leaves from off the ground. These, these are the leaves from a plant. Watch this. That's withering. This plant is on its way to dying. It, it, it could be revived if you put maintenance into it. If you put love and care into this plant, it might come back. But this plant is on its way to dying. It's what Jesus says, withering. Why is it withering? Because it has, no, it has not been able to be nurtured and cared for. And here's my fear is that this is some of our spiritual lives. This is what some of us look like spiritually. We, we, we know how to glue the leaves on when we get around the body. When we get around each other, we, we know how to put on the church face and we know how to say the right things because we've been in church long enough and we've been at Epiphany long enough and so I know if I can just get, give them this, they, I can hide my withering and here's what Jesus doesn't want us to do today. The reason why you piped on today, the reason why God took me to Revelation 2, I actually was preaching something else but Jesus took me on Wednesday to Revelation 2. The reason why he did that is because there are many of us that are withering. We're on our way out. And Jesus is like, listen, I need you to rekindle that fire. I I need you to water that plant. I I need you to be honest about where you are spiritually this week. I I need you to take some serious reevaluation of your spiritual life and look at the things that are in your life that are secondary. And you've now made them primary. Look at those things. Jesus begs. He misses you. Jesus misses us. And he wants to be in relationship with us. So he's like, listen, John 15, apart from me, you can't do nothing. 
a plant that's not connected to me, it's going to wither. It's going to die, speaking to the process of dying. Man, I remember when I first became a believer. Uh, real, real talk, when I first became a believer, I, I had an insatiable thirst for the scriptures. And I don't know where it came from. I would read the Bible literally for seven to eight hours a day. I worked in corporate America. I, I would sit there in between my, my calls. I would, I would look at scripture. I had a little small little, it was, my, it was my wife's Bible. I had a little small little Bible and I'd read through it. It was King James and I'd go through that thing and I'd mark it up till it was falling apart. I was serious about my relationship with the Lord. And if I'm honest, seven to eight hours a day right now, Why? Because somewhere along the line, that first love dwindled out. I remember the first sermon I preached. It was Isaiah chapter 43 about rivers being uh, 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 coming up in the desert. And I preached, it wasn't a great sermon at all, but I preached this sermon. I remember the night before I preached, I had knots in my stomach because I wanted to get the text right. I fasted all week. I prayed all week. I got serious. I got in my word. I was so serious. But if I'm honest, I wonder if that love and that fire has dwindled out. There are times now I've preached enough sermons and I I don't, I don't mean this in a braggadocious way. I'm so serious when I say this. I can, I've preached enough sermons to where I can just open the Bible, find three points, an explanation, some application, and we straight. I can do that in five minutes. But Jesus says, apart from me, you'll, you'll wither. If you're not connected to me, you'll wither. That's my story. What's your story? What, are the, what is the things that you used to do when you first met Jesus that you no longer do because you got familiar with Jesus? Because we got comfortable with Jesus. I tell you, boy, spiritual coasting, Somebody type that in for me. I'm looking. I'm looking here. Type that in for me. Spiritual coasting. Spiritual coasting is when you prayed enough, you read enough, and you feel like you've graduated and you feel like you're straight. And so therefore, you get in a season of coasting. Spiritual coasting is dangerous. We are never meant to spiritually coast. We're always meant to kneel and be at the cross and at the foot of Jesus saying, Jesus, rekindle this fire because it's bound to burn out. I see y'all. Thank you, Calvin, for posting it. I see y'all posting it. Spiritual coasting. Thank you, Dave, for posting it. Spiritual coasting is when you get in the relationship with the Lord and you think you've arrived and therefore you no longer have to pursue Jesus. Jesus is like, that's the moment John 15 verse five comes into play. Apart from me, you'll do nothing. A tree that's not connected to me will wither and die. And so what are the areas that fizzled out? Let's just do it. What are the areas? This week, journal it. What are the areas that the love begin to fizzle out. Jesus says, listen, I love you the same way I loved you the day I died for you. Ephesians chapter two, verse four, with the great love in which he loved us. Jesus' love for us is great, but oftentimes ours needs to be rekindled. Here it is. He commends them for right behavior, right doctrine. Good job, y'all. Y'all killing it. Verse four, I got something against you though. There's something that you have to do better. Here it is. You've abandoned your first love. Get back on track. And what I love about Jesus is Jesus, if he, if he stops in verse four, we're in trouble. If Jesus stops in verse four, we, we have no hope. We, there's no, you can't be spiritually optimistic if he stops in verse four, but he doesn't. Jesus gives us verse five. And the reason Jesus gives us verse five is because Jesus is a master at deconstructing bad behavior and deconstructing a dysfunctional, spiritual dysfunction 
and reconstructing with his word. How does he do that in verse five? Look at what he says. There's three things that he points out here. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen. Repent and do the works that you did at first. In good Jesus-like fashion, he deconstructs and he reconstructs. He says, here's where you're going off track. You've abandoned your first love, but here's how you get back on track. Remember where you have fallen. Repent and redo. That's that's the three things he lays out in verse five. Remember, repent, and redo. Remember what? Remember the areas, remember the point that you started withering. Remember the areas of your life that you started to go off track. Remember that that moment. It was it was something that caused you to lose fire. Remember what it was that threw you off track. Let me go deeper. Remember who it was that caused you to go off track. You know, because sometimes it you can always you can always trace going off spiritual track. You can always trace it back to a person. It may not even be something that happened. It may not be the quarantine. It may be your relationships around you. It may be the people that have access to you. It may be that one intimate relationship, your boo thing that you allowed in your life and it caused you to drift away. He says, remember that. Take spiritual inventory. Look at the areas of your life where the the fire begin to burn out. Look at the areas of your life and the point of your life where you begin to wither. He says, the first thing you got to do is remember. This week, that's what I want you to do. Starting today, I want you to just be thinking about the moments that you got off track and the fire began to burn out and ask yourself, what was it? What, what triggered that? It's always something. It can be always found someone. What triggered that, that you would go off track? But then after you've triggered it and after you, after you found it, he says something else. He says, repent of it. See, we, let's not make this deep. Repenting is not just saying, I'm sorry. It's actually changing behavior. Let me say that over here because I don't know if that camera was feeling me. Remember speaks to change behavior, not simply saying, I'm sorry. And some of us have to locate what it is that caused us to go off track. But after you've located it, Jesus says in this love letter to the church at Ephesus, now I need you to repent of whatever it is. And repentance is always a sign of spiritual growth. If you show me somebody that has a life that is filled with repentance, I will show you somebody that is growing spiritually. Because the moment that you stop repenting, it means the moment that you think you have no areas of opportunity. It's the moment that you think you have no areas that you could grow in. So he says here, he says, remember, but after you remember, I need you to repent. And after you repent, I love this, redo. He says at the end of verse five, do the works that you did at first. That is, that is so deep right there. He doesn't want you just to think back to your spiritual walk with the Lord when you first met him. He wants you to go back to that same fire. Somebody this week needs to pick that journal back up. And start journaling again. This week, you need to carve out time to be serious about reading your word. This week, you need to carve out time to be serious about praying. If you're trying to figure out, how do I develop more of a prayer life? Start by praying for other people. Last night before Ty and I went to bed, we just grabbed a bunch of people that we knew were either sick or having a hardship, and we just started praying for other people. didn't ask God for nothing for us. We just wanted to pray for other people. This week, I want you to do that. Start petitioning for other people. I've been on this thing where I've been grabbing voice notes and, and recording voice notes and shooting them out to some people and just praying for them. Why? Why? Because 
Praying for other people helps you to develop a spiritual life. What, what are the areas that you need to get back to? Like the church at Ephesus in Acts 19, if they can get back to that, where demons were fleeing, where the apostles were standing on the word of God, where people were denouncing false religions and giving their life to the Lord, where the city was being transformed. Jesus is saying to the church at Ephesus, go back to that. Go back to that fire. Go back to that connection that you had with me. And I say the same thing for you. You you logged on for me to yell at you. Don't you log off. You logged on for me to yell at you and say, go back to how you first were when you first met Jesus. Jesus wants to sit on the phone until you fall asleep. That's what he wants to do. Y'all remember we used to do that. Sit on the phone till you fall asleep. Why? Because I just have to hear your voice in my ear when I'm going to sleep. Jesus is like, yeah, but I, I, want, I want that access. I, I want that access. Don't just send me a text. Don't just send me an emoji. I need full access to your life. Je- you know I'm talking to you. Jesus wants to rekindle that fire. He wants to get that hunger back. He wants to get that discipline back. And here's the reality. Some of you that are on here have been, have been walking with Jesus for some time and you're now trying to rekindle that fire. But some of you on here don't know Jesus. We are glad you are on with us today. Some of y'all don't know Jesus and the starting of the first work starts today for you. Maybe that's you. Maybe you don't even know who this Jesus is that I'm talking about. Praise God that you're here, but I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that this Jesus is the only perfect person that has ever walked this earth. That the only person that walked without spots and walked without blemishes, uh, the only one that has never sinned, that does not have to go to the cross to die for his sins, but he can go to the cross blameless, which makes him the perfect sacrifice, and then goes and takes all of your sins, your past shame, your past dysfunction, all of the sins that you have not even committed yet, Jesus absorbs them on the cross. And after he absorbs them on the cross, he gives you that perfect life. After he's taken your dysfunction and your sin, he gives you the perfect life. And this is believing in that message called the gospel message is what starts our relationship with him. And so for some of you, the first works starts today. And for others that have already trusted in Jesus, rekindle that fire. Man, every year I'll end with this story Every year, my family and I, for Thanksgiving, go to my in-law's house every year. And there's a couple of things I love about that. Number one, the candied yams and the macaroni and cheese and the collard greens and the potato salad and the fried chicken. Yes, and amen, bless God. But, but I also like, I, I have this, I don't know, fire is therapeutic for me. I don't know what it is about it. I can't explain it. I, you know, fire pits are illegal in New York, so I don't get to, I don't get to fire up my fire pit and I don't have a fireplace in my apartment, my house. I don't, we don't have a fireplace, but my in-laws have a fireplace. And when I go there all week long, they dry out the wood. They get it nice and ready for me. And all week long, every single day, all day long, I burn and I keep the fire going. And here's what I know about the fire going. If you put the wood in, you put the starter in, you light it and you walk away from it, it'll burn for some time, but it'll also die out. Why does it die out? It dies out because no one's, no one's adding wood to it. No one's, no one's pumping air and blowing air on it and no one's flipping the logs. You flip that log and that fire gets nice and roasted. You have to actually work to keep the fire going. And some of you, Jesus wants you to put more wood in the fireplace. 
This sermon is for you to flip that wood so it can get hot. This sermon is for you to fan the flames. Jesus is asking you to rekindle that first love, rekindle that fire. And I pray that everybody that is logged on this week, that is logged on today, would be serious. This week would start the new trajectory towards spiritual growth. This week, that next week, this week, Monday, today starts the week for you to spiritually grow. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for everybody that's logged on. I'm grateful for each and every one of them. I don't know who it is. I only know by the chat. But I don't know who's logged on and piped on today at any of the services. But Lord, I know you know them. And you don't know them just simply by knowing details about them. You know them by intimate details. You, you, you know the heart, not just the action. And so, Father, I pray that you would move on the hearts of your people today. Rekindle our love. Put that fire back in us. Help us to be serious about you. Help us to look at the things that we do in life. And I pray that this, the first works wouldn't be a sequence of order, but the first work would be the thing that establishes all things. Pray that this first love would be the core of who we are. And because it's the core of who we are, everything else flows from it. Father, would you give us that? Don't let this quarantine take our spiritual growth. Don't let this virus stop us from growing. This is the season we can do so. So Father, I pray, oh God, for every person logged on that you would help us to all spiritually grow. I don't care who they are. I don't care how long they walk with you. All of us need the ability to grow and you give us that. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, it's good to be hanging out with y'all today. I am serious. I pray that this week would be full of open doors and blessings, but I pray that the greatest open door would be your access back into relationship with the Lord. Before you log off, let me give this doxology to you. It's found in Ephesians chapter three. Many of you know it, verse 20. It says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. God bless you, grace and peace. If you're here at the 930 service, when we get to it, we want to see y'all at the next 15. All right. Love y'all.